This is an audio version of Hannah Jane's newsletter for the 20th of March, A Giant Readingist for Troubled Times. How quickly things change. I don't think anyone needs any pontificating from me about how to find the silver lining in this particular cloud. That doesn't actually sit well with me. And with my magazine journalist hat on, I have a word for the PRs who are using this time of global crisis to hawk their products. Just stop. Sales of standing desks and hand cream will go up anyway. There's no need to be gross about it. Instead, let me suggest journaling to quiet an anxious mind. This is a beautiful and detailed explanation of the why and the how-to from memoirist Louisa DC on louisadc.com. And I will say, I hope this enforced break from normal life enables us to see where we're going wrong in our attitude to the environment, in our relentless productivity, in our lack of provision for the poor, and our failure to recognise the truly valuable members of society, and perhaps start to fix it. I personally plan to do my bit by being much less productive going forward, and hanging out under a tree with a book far more often. What I'm reading or what I'm watching. I was blown away by Blair Braverman's extraordinary experience of connecting with nature naked and on TV that she uh, talks about on outsideonline.com. Watch the video until the end. She's very interesting about her how her attitude to nature completely changed during the filming of Naked and Afraid. What I'm listening to, the podcast Is This Working is consistently brilliant and the hosts just recorded a special episode on working from home that is chock full of good advice. Like them, I am a working from home veteran and I echo their advice to just go easy on yourself if you're new to it and I'm also particularly fond of the suggestion that you shouldn't get dressed if you don't fancy it. I am currently rocking a toddler vibe in a mini dungaree dress and a stripy pyjama top. And honestly, I got just as much done today as I do when I'm in my chicest dress. I did read a lovely review of two biblio memoirs in the Sydney Review of Books. It's by Fiona Wright. And I now have both the books on my to-read list. The genre of biblio memoir, a memoir about the books, the how the books the author has read have affected his or her life. It's a favourite of mine, and these two sound like brilliant examples. And the wonderful author, Olivia Lang, who wrote a book called The Lonely City, that is very much worth your time, has a piece in the New York Times about quarantine loneliness that is rather beautiful. And I'm very keen to read Julia Baird's new book called Phosphorescence on Awe, Wonder and Things That Sustain You When the World Goes Dark. It's out with dazzling timing next week. And it really couldn't be more timely from the sound of it. So I'm definitely going to pick that one up. But my main thing is really what you should read this week. Friends often ask me what books to read. And after laboriously typing out a list the other day in a WhatsApp group, I thought maybe others might benefit from my expertise. So after a quick survey of my bookshelves and my Kindle, these are my suggestions for escapist books to while away isolation. Criteria. Nothing too sad, frightening or tense. Nothing that touches on illness or other current crises. Totally absorbing. And for nature books, check out any of my previous newsletters at hannahjames.substack.com. For fiction, I randomly selected 
Erin Morganstern's The Starless Sea, which I wrote a whole review of on my book, on my blog, sorry, which is hannahjameswords.com. Heather Rose, The Museum of Modern Love, inspired by the performance artist Marina Abramovich. This book weaves together the stories of those who feel compelled to observe one of her famous artworks. It's truly lovely and it made me cry. Anne Patchett has a new one out called The Dutch House, which is excellent, but I've loved everything I've read of hers. Barbara Kingsolver has written a lot, but Flight Behaviour and Prodigal Summer are my favourites, I think, um, because of the beautifully evoked natural settings of Appalachia, 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 and Mexico, respectively. Madeline Sinjin's The Women in Black was recently made into a good film, renamed Ladies in Black. It tells the tale of young Lisa, a new sales girl at FG Goods Department Store in 1950s Sydney. One of my favourite ever books is I Catch the Castle by Dodie Smith, who also, interestingly, wrote 101 Dalmatians. This one is the diary of Cassandra, a teenage girl in 1940s Britain. She lives in a decrepit castle with her brilliant but blocked novelist father, her beautiful but frustrated sister Rose, and her lovely but distracted and frequently nude stepmother Topaz. It too was made into a film that I actually liked. Phew. Moon Tiger by Penelope Lively won the Booker in 1987 and is told by an old lady recalling her super interesting experiences in wartime Egypt. I just realised this description doesn't make it sound very interesting, but it really is. It's worth reading. Um, Elizabeth von Arnim's The Enchanted April takes us to 1920s Italy. It is a quote, sun-washed fairy tale, according to one review, and the clue, yes, is in the name. It is truly enchanting. Elizabeth Gaskell's Cranford is easy reading, considering it was written in 1851, and it's very soothing. Jerome K. Jerome's Three Men in a Boat to Say Nothing of the Dog is a stone-cold comedy classic about boating mishaps in the 1880s. Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials trilogy and The Book of Dust trilogy Only the first two books of the Book of Dust trilogy are out yet, and I eagerly await the third. It's a prequel to the justly famous His Dark Materials books. And finally, for fiction, The Dud Avocado by Elaine Dundee is the surprisingly sexually frank and so, so funny story of Sally J. Gorse, who gads about Paris in the 1950s, having affairs all over the shop. In non-fiction... As I mentioned above, Olivia Wang Lang, sorry, Olivia Lang, is a wonderful writer, and To the River is one of the very few books I wish I had written. Lang walks the length of the River Ouse in Sussex from source to sea and weaves in the story of Virginia Woolf, who suicided in the river during a depressive episode. The River Ouse is in my home county of Sussex, and much of the countryside Lang writes about is familiar to me, but you don't need that element to love this book. Any of Claire Tomalin's biographies of literary characters are brilliant. I particularly love her Jane Austen. Um, in a time, a time of Gifts, Patrick Lee Fermer recollected a journey on foot to Constantinople, which is now Istanbul, that he took as a young man in the 1930s before war changed Europe forever. His sequel to A Time of Gifts, which is called Between the Woods and the Water, was as well received as the first book, but although he tinkered at it for decades, he never completed the third in the planned trilogy. It was eventually published in its unfinished state as The Broken Road after his death. 
and Patrick Liefermer also wrote a perfect little book that I regularly return to about his time spent in monasteries called A Time to Keep Silence. He's good at uh, titles, isn't he? And then somewhat along the same lines, Pico Iyer's The Art of Stillness is about just that. He follows people who have removed themselves from the everyday bustle to meditate or find stillness in other ways. Bit on the nose, maybe, sorry. And again, slightly along the same lines, as its name suggests, Consolations of the Forest, Alone in a Cabin in the Middle Tiger by Sylvain Tesson is about a year the author spent alone by Lake Baikal in Siberia. He's honestly slightly pretentious, but the experience is extraordinary. And finally, in non-fiction, Footsteps, Adventures of a Romantic Biographer by Richard Holmes is a lovely blend of memoir and biography. This was a bit of a grab bag of a selection, and I could keep doing this for hours, but I can't imagine anybody would ever read it. But please know this, there is a book for every mood and circumstance, and there is endless consolation in books. And the same can be said of the natural world. Both are the perfect refuge in times of crisis.